Does God fully accept you? Does God fully accept you? I am in a tender spot today. This is a tender spot. Because there are tons of Christians that have, they're born again Christians. They've accepted Christ as their personal Savior. They've wrapped or appropriated by faith the justification that Christ provided on the old rugged cross. But they have not appropriated the sanctification that Christ offers and by the way is done and so I want to talk to you for the next 30 minutes or so a little less than that possibly and so the longer the question is unsettled whether God has fully accepted you the longer a believer will struggle in their walk and their faith insecurity is not always bad uh, if God causes you to be insecure usually is to just help you search and make the decision and firm it up. But the devil will want to cause insecurity that's never ending, that's destructive. And so generally the insecurity that I see in people is not from God. Long insecurity over a long period of time is destructive and counterproductive in the Christian life. Let me make some, something real clear. Biblically, this is true. I'll, I'll show you some of the verses. But God is not wishy-washy about your salvation. Your salvation is not up for grabs, resting on your behavior and your emotions. Don't you thank God for that? I get up some mornings, I'm, I feel saved. I get up other mornings, I don't feel saved. Some days I act saved. Some days I don't act saved. Ask my staff. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not saved because it's not wishy-washy. It's not up for grabs. It's not however. Ever. The Bible says every wind of doctrine, <laughs> every little passing breeze that goes by, my salvation, whoo, way more serious, way more secure, deeper than that. Honest faith, once placed on Jesus Christ and his finished work, ignites a chain reaction. How many of you have ever worked with fiberglass resin? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm just talking to you. The rest of you just bomb out. Fiberglass resin comes, I buy it by the gallon. And I've done a little bit of work, you know, making boats and stuff. Trying, And so the fiberglass resin comes in a gallon. Uh, the catalyst comes in a tube. So you get a little tube, you get this gallon. By the way, paint's that way. They got some epoxy paint that has two parts. And you mix one part with the other. Usually the one part's small and one part's big. Uh, you are a soul, a never-dying soul. And Christ has offered us salvation. He's that tube. He's paid for it. You had nothing to do with it. He did it all. He knew you were a sinner. In Romans chapter 3, describes you to, in detail how bad you are and how bad I am. There's no real good people. There's no... The Bible says none good, no, not one. Granny isn't good. 
She looks oh so innocent. Break in her house, see what she does. When you get saved, you take that tube, that faith in Christ, you open it up, and you pour him into your life. You say, I want him. By faith, I believe he, he, he was who he said he was. By faith, I believe that he was born of a virgin, as the Bible said. By faith, I believe that he, he, he came to die for my sins. He hung on old, the old rugged cross. Uh, he shed his blood. And the third day, uh, I believe by faith, he was resurrected. And you, by faith, appropriate that information which has to come to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It has to come to you somehow. And you take that and you pour that little bit of that catalyst of faith that God gives you, just that little bitty tube, and you pour it in. You don't have much, but you pour it into your soul. And a chain reaction starts. And brother, I can tell you from working with fiberglass, you cannot stop it. You may say, oh, oh, I can't use that for two hours. Too late. Because in 30 minutes, it's going to get hard as a rock. You may say, oh, I just got a phone call. The guy said not to do it. Too late. You've already put it in there. It's gone. Brother, when you and I come by faith, and, and it's, it, Jesus said you've got to become as a little child. A little childlike faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done. You wrap your heart around that. God says he seals you to the day of redemption. A chain reaction starts. It is a work of God based on the little itty-bitty faith of man in Christ. This reaction, as a chain reaction, Jesus compares it to the chain reaction of birth. Most of you have had some children if you're married. And Heather's getting ready to have a child here pretty soon. By the grace of God, little Billy Barrels. Cute little devil. Jesus said, John chapter 3, you know the verse. Except, except a man be born again, he shall not see, cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that means most of you, I don't have to go through the biology of birth, I hope, in detail. But I can tell you this, you got an egg, and you got a little sperm. And though there be a million of those little sperm chasing after that one egg, the first one to get there chemically triggers, the goes in and chemically triggers the wall to shut. Unless there's identical twins when they exactly at the same time get there, and they both get in, and they're identical twins, which is rare, as you know. But you can't once, let me tell you, the mom and the dad start to process, but they can't stop it. Now, you can abort your baby and murder them, but that doesn't stop them from being a human and, 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 and 46 chromosomes and a, and a living soul. Jesus, not me, not me, not Baptist. He said it. You say, well, he didn't mean human birth. Well, Nicodemus, pretty smart guy, he was right next to him. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in a mother's womb and be born? He understood the analogy was about human birth. But Jesus raised it from human birth to spiritual birth. He said spiritual birth is like human birth. Once faith is appropriated by the believer, nothing can stop it. The reaction is God's birthing you into his kingdom. 
This understanding, I believe, is so vital to believers' spiritual health and walk. Until the question is settled in your mind that God fully has accepted you, that God has fully accepted you, no progress or little progress can really be made. Because insecurity, after a while, breeds depression, despondency, and despair. And ultimately, if I want to have four Ds, defeat. Right? You, you believe to Ren that you're married to that man sitting beside you. Well, I'm glad to hear it. She didn't say, I think so. People come up and ask, are you a Christian? I hope so. I think so. Man, make your mind up. You ask me, are you the husband of Kathy Moore? And I'm going to tell you, yes, I am. There's no hesitancy. There's no doubt. We sealed that thing 46 plus years ago. And I got born again by the Lord Jesus Christ at five years old. Remember where I was? Remember the day? Remember praying and asking Him to save me? Don't remember else, much else about those years. God came in and birthed me. I'm accepted in the beloved. Take your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Now this is the text. Where am I getting all this? Well, we're going to get it from this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Pastor Harry McKinney, I worked under 12 years. His favorite book in the Bible was Ephesians. When he started getting Alzheimer's, which we didn't know he had it, that's the problem with Alzheimer's, see. You go four or five years, you don't even know you have it, you start acting funny. If you start seeing me, act a little strange. Well, Pastor McKinney, every time he preached a sermon, he ended up in Ephesians. Not to me. I was just as the preacher, the preacher that was a little strange. I used to go to him and say, Preacher, you start out preaching in Genesis, and at the end of the sermon, you end up in Ephesians. And then a week before it happened, he started out in Jeremiah and up in Ephesians. He says, What what better place to end in the throne room of God? I oh, what was I to say? Blessed be the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. How many? Uh, in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What? Twice in the Bible it says that. That we should be holding without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, and I love this phrase, I appreciate it not long ago, accepted in the beloved. Now, I am not a Calvinist. There's no Calvin in me. Uh, but I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I believe in the security of the chain reaction called salvation. Why? Because God said so. And, and the reason for it all is verse 7. The reason for all, from verse 3 to verse 6, the reason is verse 7. In whom we have redemption, there it is right there, through his blood. It was through His blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Two major things are taught in this passage. First of all, that with confidence of outcome, God has birthed us and accepted us in the beloved. Do you agree? The second thing I see there is the basis of this acceptance 
is based on the redemption through Jesus Christ's blood shed on Calvary. Or as we refer to Jesus Christ's finished work on Calvary. People get overly hung up on predestination and election and chosen, and they try to make it the main subject. That is not the main subject. In, in Bible school, it's awful. You get a bunch of prima donnas who don't know much but have a bunch of pride in coffee shop arguing this stuff. It's been argued for hundreds of years. And never, those, those two, those two, and, and you know, it's just, it's, it's uh, breeds questions and contentions. The problem is they miss the whole point. These terms are used to express God's confidence in what he is doing in the believer. His attribute of foreknowledge, which we find in Romans 8.29, and, and sovereignty, that's what these express. They express his confidence, his confidence based upon his foreknowledge and, and empowered by his sovereignty. Uh, we, we, get so, we get so hung up. Basically, God is saying in this passage, things are not iffy. Things are not iffy. If these words be true in this passage, that he knows the beginning. And, and by the way, do you believe God knows the beginning and the ending? He's the Alpha and the Omega. I'm not going to try to prove that. That's biblically solid. Then with God, there's no surprises. There are surprises to you. There are surprises to me. But with God, there's really no surprises. He knew before the foundation of the world that you would place your faith in Christ Jesus when presented. He knew that. And based on that foreknowledge, Romans 8, 29, he sealed you to the day of redemption. He predestinated you. He appointed you. He chose you to be accepted in the blood of him. But only because you accepted that which he presented, which was salvation in Christ. Based on that knowledge, and according to his will, he chose us, he elected us, he predestinated us, he sealed us, he accepted us in the beloved, he appointed us. Done deal. By his perspective. Now, get this real, real good. There's two perspectives in the Bible. There's God's perspective of things, and there's your perspective of things. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you read man's perspective of life. And literally, in Ecclesiastes, there's some untrue statements. The Bible's true, and it was put there to show you how man misreads it. The statements of Solomon in Ecclesiastes, some of them are not true because they're from they're man under the sun. He says it from day he says it from the beginning of the book. This is man's perspective of things. And 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 my my and a, and a man's perspective of life is not true, and oftentimes is not the real perspective that God has of it all. And so when you see the Bible, you've got to understand whose perspective is this coming from? Ephesians, once your tree, is God's perspective. It's God's perspective. This is why it is fundamentally against the character of God to insinuate that a sealed, predestinated, chosen, elected, and accepted believer can lose his salvation. It's fundamentally against the very character of God, of who God is. It, it, it cannot be if 
if these things in Ephesians and other places are true. Now, if our, in our perspective, now let's go now from, we just, we're just leaving God's perspective of salvation, and now we're coming to our perspective of salvation. From our perspective, I have seen many cases where I thought people lost their salvation. Hey, listen to me. And from my perspective, I have seen cases where I would, would have said they were saved beyond a shadow of a doubt, and then they, they, they fell back in the world like a sour turned into a wallow, and they never got it. They lost it. But it's not possible. It's not possible theologically. God does not contradict himself. But from our perspective, because how much do you really know of what goes on in the heart of man? Tell me. I've been married to the same woman for 46 years. And I can't tell you what goes on in that woman's heart. Sometimes I try to dig down in there and mine, and it just doesn't work. When God gave man a free will, he made him in his own image. It did not mean that he did not know what was going to happen and that things were out of control based on the various decisions, the combinations of decisions of that free will creature. He says, from the foundation of the world, I knew who was going to believe, who was not going to. Uh, and he sealed those folks and gave them security. Why? He didn't predestinate some folks to go to heaven, some folks to go to hell. God forbid, that's against his nature. The Bible says in Peter, it's not his will that any should perish. Not any. Where you say God always gets his way. Not when he made us in his image. Once he made us in his image, he gave us his free will. And then we were cognizant creatures with our own ability to make decisions, even to damning us to hell. God protects your freedom of choice to the place where he'll, though his heart is broken, though he has given his only begotten son, though he has, he has made the heavens declare the glory of God in the firmament, declare his handiwork, he cries out with the birds in the morning. He shows you the sunset at night and the sun. He shows you all this stuff. It says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You can decide, I don't want it. I don't believe it. I ain't going to do it. And God, with all the power, will allow you to have what you want. But pretty soon you won't want what you have. We may, so, what, so let me ask the question, what is the basis of our confidence in salvation? Because once in a while, we lose confidence. Uh, I, I got saved at five years old. At 12 years old, I went in my mom's bedroom at night, and I always knocked on the door, brother. It was the end of life if you didn't knock on the door. And so I, I, I knocked on the door, and she said, come in. I said, Mom, I don't feel I'm saved. Well, the way I had been acting, no wonder. I've been smoking up on the chicken coop. A number of other things. And that sin caused me to lose my security. Now, that was just my perspective, wasn't it? Did I really lose my salvation? No, because God said he sealed me for the foundation of the world. I believe. So, but my, mo my mother don't know that. Remember, she's from a man's perspective. So she says, well, son, here's the way we're going to deal with that. Do you believe Jesus came, 
He died. He was buried and rose again the third day for your sins. You believe he's God's son? I do. Why don't we get beside the bed right here and you ask him to save you? I said, okay. She said, no, I don't believe you can get saved again. We're just going to do this, make it happen. And I, I've been saved four or five times. I always tell people that got doubt, get saved till one of, us, one of them sticks. But that's just from my perspective, my human perspective. God don't save you, lose you, save you, lose you, save you. In fact, he says in Hebrews chapter 6, it's impossible to renew you. You can't be saved twice. Brother, if, if, the, if the Arminians, the Pentecostal groups, right, if, and, and, and they say they can lose their salvation, if you lose it, I can show you in the Bible, guarantee you cannot get it back. You're condemned to hell forever. But that's against the character of God by what we just read there, right? What? Why? Because if, if you could get it, lose it, get it, lose it, the foundation of God would not be sure. And it is sure. He says he's going to prepare a mansion for every one of us. John chapter 14, let your heart not be, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house so many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay. It pretty, tear that down. <laughs> tear that down. Uh, he was saved, but he, he he's out with he he dumped his four, he dumped his wife after menopause and got him a 30-year-old. He's out. You men know exactly what I'm talking about. Tear it down. Well, there'd be more demolition going on. There would be building. Our feelings come and go. I'll grant you that. Our emotions come and go. Our misguided, unscriptural concepts come and go. But God does not come and go. I can prove it to you by 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, where it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone in the name of the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, God's perspective, man's perspective. In God's perspective, he sealed those who believed and were saved. They don't come and go. Man's perspective, we think they come and go, come and go. People come to me and cite case after case of where a guy supposedly believed. I said, you know, all I know is I don't think he ever believed. I don't think he ever got saved. I don't think it ever took. I don't think it was ever eternal because if it had been, he would have lasted. What is the, what is the, uh, the, the uh, uh, test, the litmus, is it litmus test of reality is that you last. Those that endure unto the end shall be saved. He that overcometh, seven times, Revelation 2 to 3, receiveth. If you're truly born from above, you'll overcome. I didn't say you wouldn't have trouble. I didn't say you wouldn't tr have struggle. I didn't say you wouldn't backslide. I didn't say you wouldn't have struggle. But brother, you've been sealed from God by God, and based on your good works, God forbid you go there. If you could be saved by your good works, Jesus didn't have to die. Not by works of righteousness. Titus 3, 5. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. We don't get saved, and there's many other places. We don't get saved by works. Don't go there. God's basis for our acceptance needs to be our acceptance of our standing in him.
In other words, God has a basis for our acceptance. That's your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you in his resurrection. His basis needs to become our basis. So what is spiritual growth? God has his perspective, which is the true and only perspective that's right. I have this real, real coming and going and all this. I got this it's inferior perspective. As I grow, I, glow, I, <laughs> I get closer to his perspective. Eventually, I get up to his perspective and say, hey, God's right. And then when I get that, what do I get? I get stability. I'm not tossed about by every wind of doctrine. I get consistency. I get reproduce. Uh, that's a big word. Reproducibility. I'm not even sure that is a word. Repeatability. I I I mean, there's a, a certain a certain um, settledness that comes into my life. That's what they call spiritual growth. You know, it's like a ladder. One rung at a time. God puts you, and you learn this. You don't start out first day understanding this. Your feelings come and go. Your insecure emotions come and go. Our souls are full of contradictory feelings, but the foundation of God's stand is sure. If God has elected and predestinated and appointed and accepted me in the beloved, based on simple faith in the work of Jesus Christ, then I must realize it and appropriate it as he has offered it. Make it mine. Take it in. Accept the reality of it. Appropriate the sanctification he's offered me, just like I appropriated his justification. Accept it by faith. God would, now you say once in a while, brother, God feels a long way from me. That's part of your growth. Did your parents ever once in a while let you get lost so that you know how bad it was? My parents did. They'd walk away from you, and you'd look back for them. They wouldn't be there. And the fear and terror uh, would enter into you. Ah, well, they knew where you were the whole time, but they wanted you to know what it was like to get lost. Once in a while, the old, uh, God, God does that because he withdraws himself from you. His presence, that, that feeling of his presence is, is gone. And, and you begin to get the same feeling as a young child missing his mom and dad. You say, oh, Lord Jesus, where you at? Where you at? He just does that for our benefit so that we will continually seek him and understand how important he is in our life. Make it yours. God withdraws your feelings at times so you'll trust him without feelings. I trust God without feelings. I don't believe God's based on emotion. I feel sorry for people. Are you all right? Need somebody to go with you, brother? You know, the problem we have is that we have this in reverse order. Blessings and position come before devotion and service. We think devotion and service comes before the understanding of blessings and our position in Christ. You get that? This is important. Don't lose it. Blessings and position come before devotion and service. We often have it in reverse order. We think we serve and we get accepted, when the truth is we're accepted and that's why we serve. You can't, you can't 
Ladies, you're married. I'm going back to you. Thank you for coming today. Do you believe he loves you? And all these are yes, yes answers, please. Do you believe, I've asked you this before, I think. Do you believe that he's loyal to you? That's why you're serving. If you didn't think he loved you, or you were unsure of that, or you were unsure of the fact that he's loyal to you, you wouldn't be a very good wife because you wouldn't be able to put your all in it, would you? You'd be, able, you'd be holding back on that thing. Every one of us would be the same way. You're probably never going to come back here. But God bless you. I love you. We, if we serve and are devoted, here's the way we think. If we serve God and are devoted, it secures us in our beloved position, and then that gives us security. But is that the order of the Bible? No. The book of Ephesians that we're in, if you look at it and study the whole book, the first three chapters are based on our position in Christ. What are the last three chapters? Service. The order is right in front of our nose. The first three chapters talks about our position in Christ. It's in detail. The last three chapters talks about our service and how we're to live it out. It's not reversed. Romans, same way. The, the first 11 chapters of Romans has to do with doctrine, has to do with teaching, has to do with position. The last few chapters of Romans has to do with how to live it out, how to serve. Now that you know this, now you can serve. Now that you understand where, where, where your position is with God, now it equips you and empowers you to do the service. We have that opposite. We think we're accepted because of our behavior. I butter his bread, he butters mine. I'm good, he has, he's happy with me. Uh, that is not, man, that lowers God to our level, our sinful level, if I may say it that way. Position, I hope you get these three words. Position proceeds practice. Position proceeds practice. Love motivates service better than fear. Let me go back to the lovely couple on the front. You notice I'm not asking Tom any of these questions. But anyway, so going back to this lovely couple. You do not serve him and help him be successful because you're afraid. If you did, it wouldn't last. She does it because she loves him. And then he gives her flowers. And then he, on her birthday, remembers her, and anniversary remembers her, and does little sweet nothings all in between. But not motivated out of fear that she's going to get mad if you don't recognize those days. God forbid, don't do it. You girls, if you don't get recognized, don't get mad. That's the wrong way to go. One day my wife and I got up. We said, she said, what date is it? I said, it's the 27th. She said, our anniversary was yesterday. I said, that's true love, man. We love each other so much, we don't even care what day we were married. I'm for doing away with anniversaries. They get by half the men in trouble. If you fall in love with Jesus, because of his great salvation, you will be glad and you will be deeply motivated to serve him to death because gratitude is a stronger motivator than duty.
If you appreciate grace, you will hate sin the more and be sanctified the more. If you never think of going, you, if, you, if you appreciate grace and the position you've been given and what God has done for you, you don't have to worry too much about going back in the world because you would hurt the one who gave all that to you. You would shrink from the thought of disappointing Jesus. If you sin and go back into the world and backslide as a Christian, you've lost this perspective. God has become far away. And you forgot what he's done for you. Fear produces obedience of slaves, while love inspires the obedience of sons. One man has said. Fear produces obedience to slaves while love inspires the obedience of sons. Until the Christian is absolutely and scripturally sure of his standing, he's not going to do much standing. You have to know why you're standing. What's behind you? Man, that's why you got to get in the Bible. The Bible has all this information in it. It has all these good things in it of who God is and what he's done for you and what he is doing for you. And in Ephesians, especially where old Pastor McKinney ended up having Alzheimer's and not getting out of, not a bad place to die in because he lived in it. I've seen this over and over again. You will be kept from going back into the world if you love Jesus. If you have a daily walk with him, if you have a fellowship with him that is intimate because of who he is and what he's done for you, you won't really have to worry too much about going back into the world. But when that becomes dim and, 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 and performance takes over, professionalism takes over, you're very, very much in jeopardy. The devil picks up on that quickly. I like in a Revelation where it says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Now, that's pretty sober news. If Hillary had gotten elected, that would have been my new favorite verse. Oh, you don't think so? She'd have had me in jail within two years. First thing she had done is legislate hate language. And I'd have got up here and preached every every against every sin in the Bible. It says that you may be tried and that your tribulation be, uh, that you shall have tribulation for 10 days. And here's the, here's the key. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Now how do you motivate people to be faithful unto death? Fear? Never. How do you motivate people to voluntarily lay their life down? Love, brother. Love. Love does it. In the human realm, love of country caused those old Marines to hit that to hit that beach with the, with the bullets hitting uh, that landing craft, knowing when that door went down that half of the guys in the front were going to get hit. And they, they still moved forward. And they still went forward. Why? Because they loved their country. They loved their parents. They loved their family. In the human realm, it's so. How much more in a spiritual realm? You know what the trouble with Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ today is? There's very little love. Because they've not understood the position. 
See, being holy is not a problem if you understand the Holy One. The holiness of God motivates us to holiness. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you at? Where's your life? Maybe you haven't trusted Christ your Savior. Today could be the day. Today could be the day. Wouldn't that be great? Know for sure if you went out here and got whacked by some 90-year-old that should have lost his license 20 years ago? I'm not picking on anybody here, by the way. I mean, there's a time to say it's over before you kill somebody. And you may get whacked by some drunken 19-year-old like my wife did. Going 60 miles an hour, 3 in the afternoon, hit her on I-75. Went across the median, hit her right in the side. God Almighty saved the girl. You never know when it's coming. I, I would be nice if God said, on this certain date in life, you're going to die. Because You know why you don't do that? Because you wouldn't be... I just don't think he could trust you with that information. He makes it where at any moment. At any moment. Now, are you accepted in the beloved? Why? Because something you did or by faith in Jesus Christ? Not by works of righteousness. No. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith shall be counted for righteousness. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why don't you make it today? Father, help us. Help us, your blessed Holy Spirit, to make those words true. True meaning they are true, but they're not true to the, some of the folks that are listening right now. May they simply appropriate it by faith. Father, may you birth some people today. Put them in their names. But of course, from your perspective, you know who was going to receive Christ from the day before the creation of anything that was here. But it was based upon, you said, for whom he foreknew. foreknew, foreknew. Father, we know you love people. The whole world you said you love. Father, we ask you that there be some that today that are struggling. Are you accepted in the beloved? Does God fully accept me? You're struggling with that. May today you believe the Bible over your emotions. May you just believe the Bible. Help them have security in their in their in their biblically sound security. In Jesus' name. Amen. You come. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.